Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you are listening to another Sales IQ podcast. This week, we are joined by the famous John Barrows. Now, this is an awesome episode and one I'm really excited to share with all the listeners of the podcast globally because John is a bit of a guru when it comes to selling. Um, Very well known, trained some of the biggest companies in the world like Salesforce, Salesloft, Lead IQ, and a whole range of different tech firms literally around the world. He's built an incredible brand, a brand that's built on, you know, the, the of, of being a sales professional. He spent a lot of time focusing on helping SDRs be the best they can be. He's also the host of his own podcast, Make It Happen Mondays. And so it's an incredible episode where we really dive deep into, you know, the mindset and what is required to be a, you know, a sales professional. Now, I know we talk about this topic quite a lot, but it's damn important. And it's going to continue to be something that we talk about because there are two types of people in this profession. There are sales professionals and there are the empty suit salespeople that my good friend Larry talks about. You know, they're commission breath. They're only after one outcome, which is serving their needs. And in this particular episode, John and I break down, you know, the the concept that SDR is just a springboard. The sales development role is not a springboard for getting into the next stage of sales. You can actually build a successful career in sales development. And for anyone thinking that is an entry-level role, this is a really good episode to listen to and be challenged about that concept. Because when we think about the SDR, when we truly think about the role, and go to an entry-level role. If you want to make a profession out of it, you can learn about data. You can learn about, you know, what is my lead-to-contact ratio? What is my contact-to-op? Op to sell, etc. You can actually really learn about those different key data sets, and you know what? Data is becoming a very important part of sales. It's been a big, it's been an important part for a long time, but now more than ever, with the introduction of different technology platforms, tech stacks, you know, you can really leverage data to make informed decisions in your business. The other great thing about John, he's recently wrote a book, and this book is awesome. We'll put it in the show notes at the end. It's, I want to be in sales when I grow up. He wrote a kid's book. You probably go, what the hell? Why would you write a kid's book? But you know what? There's very few people I talk to when you ask them, what do you want to be when you're older? Did you want to, you know, did you want, did you ever see yourself in sales? They say, nah, I kind of fell into a role in sales, finished my degree and just fell into sales. So this is awesome that, that John's actually talking about this book, about I want to be in sales when I grow up. And it's about his daughter, and how he and his daughter went on a path, you know, went on a journey to sell some cookies, right, for, for, for charity. And you know what? We need more of this. We need more, you know, experts, influencers. We need more people talking about what an awesome fucking profession this is. Because in my eyes, this is the best profession in the world. This is a profession where we get to help people every single day. And provide them with better outcomes that helps them improve their lives, both in business and in personal. So the, the fact that John's actually taken the time to write a kid's book, 
and he's spruiking the word globally and helping more people realize their potential through sales is amazing. So guys, this is a great episode. I really enjoyed this. You know, I've followed John for a number of years. So to be able to have him on the podcast is great. And it just goes to show that, you know, um, selling is more than just a transaction. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So before we get into it, I know you're probably saying, Luigi, get off. I just wanted this to the episode. Um, guys, jump on, rate us, um, like us, share with us, give us a review uh, because I'd love to hear your feedback and also keep connect with me on LinkedIn. It's awesome. I'm getting some great messages and I really enjoy the messages and I'm humbled by, you know, some of the messages that I'm receiving. So, you know what? I'm out of here. Let's get into this episode with the famous John Barrows. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Luigi. How you doing, brother? I'm awesome, brother, man. I'm so excited to have you on the Sales IQ podcast, man. You're a, um, you know, you are a, a global thought leader in our profession. Um, so before we get started, man, I just want to say I appreciate what you do for our profession, um, the content you put out, those short grabs, your podcast, um, everything you do for our profession makes you know people like me who listen a better salesperson for engaging with you, man. So I want to say thank you before we get started. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm just, I always tell people, I'm not really a trainer. I'm a, I'm a sales guy that, that happens to train and, and, uh, and, you know, I come across stuff and I just like sharing stuff that works and stuff that, so, uh, hopefully my, the goal is right with, as a trainer is to, is to hopefully have a few people skip a few steps so they don't make as many mistakes as you and I have made. Yeah. Um, you know, they still gotta get, they still gotta get their teeth kicked in. You still gotta go through and, and learn, but hopefully, you know, by sharing a couple of nuggets here and there, people elevate a little faster. Oh. Well, it certainly helps me, man. So, uh, you know, thank you very much. But before we get into today's session, we'd love to learn a bit more about you and how you started in the world of selling. Yeah, I mean, I kind of fell into it just like everybody else. Um, You know, I I always joke around sales is the number one profession in the world, but yet none of us are actually formally taught how to do it. So, you know, I think here in the States, um, there's over 4,000 universities here in the United States, and you can get your degree in sales in about 70 of them which is way better than it was just a few years back. Um, but, you know, I got my degree in marketing and then stumbled into sales under, um, so Black & Decker, they had uh, DeWalt Power Tools. Uh, yeah. Black & Decker owns DeWalt Power Tools. And there was a, they recruited heavily out of the university that I went to. And the position was, it was a sales position that I had never kind of thought of, but it wasn't really sales. It was more like event marketing. So yeah. it was about driving around and giving away free tools and doing events and stuff like that. So it was kind of, a, I didn't have a quota. I just really was, a, it was a branding thing. Um, so I had fun doing that. And then I graduated a little when I got promoted there, um, started selling to Home Depot here in the States. Whereas like the Home Depot, they, they had to buy DeWalt power tools, obviously, but my job was to take a, a 10 million or a $10,000 order and turn it into a $50,000 order. Right. So yeah. how do I do that? We cross sell, upsell stuff. Then I, I left that, um, and started with uh, Xerox uh, copiers. And that's really where I got my true sales education. Um, I mean, talk about selling a commodity, right? And, uh, and, and that's also when Xerox was very, very well known for their sales training and onboarding, mm. right? They had an eight week sales training program and it was solution selling. It was actually based on solution. It's, it's actually the foundation of what solution selling yeah. built uh, on top of that. So that, I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, and then I started a company doing um, outsourced IT services with a few friends of mine. So from high school, we, we all got together and we started a company. And I was about 25 years old um, and we sold to the SMB market. And, and so I had no idea what I was doing. 
So I took every training you could. I took Sandler, Miller, Hyman, Taz, Spin, all of it. And, uh, and I came across this, ba- this company called Basho and it was, it was a really interesting, I liked the training cause it was super tactical. And so I used it. Uh, we ended up being the fastest growing company in Massachusetts for a few years in a row. Um, got us to about 12 million in revenues and about 85 employees. And then we sold off to Staples. So Staples came about wow. us. Um, then, uh, I got fired from Staples <laughs> because, uh, cause I'm just, I'm just not a corporate guy. I have zero filter and I don't, I don't like playing politics. So, um, I was looking for a job and, and Basho came knocking and said, John, you, you know, you want to be a trainer? And I was like, no, absolutely not. You know, I, I don't, cause I didn't like trainers. Most yeah. trainers I had come across up until that point in my career were either failed sales professionals or professional presenters. Yeah. Right. And if you've ever been through a training where you could tell the trainers never actually done what they're telling you what to do. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. And they said, don't worry, you have to use these techniques to sell so you can train so you can get paid. So I was like, all right. So so I joined them, uh, took on some bigger accounts, brought on some bigger ones. And then to make a very long story short, they screwed it all up and I took it over. So <laughs> now I'm out there. Uh, now I do my own thing. Um, you know, for about six years, seven years now, I've been doing my own thing. And I'm working with some you know fun companies like Salesforce and Google and uh, Slack and Dropbox and Box and training their sales teams on yeah. some techniques that hopefully move the needle a little bit. Oh, man, what a story. And it's funny, you know, like if you look back at those copier companies like the Conicum and Alta, Xerox, you know, they were real adopters and, you know, really spent money on, on, on developing their sales teams. Why do you think that particular industry was one that um, embraced training and development for their staff? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think a couple of different things. I think it was the 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 tail end of the generation um, piece of this that's, that I'll talk about in a second. But I think also in such a commoditized market, mm. um, you, you know, I don't know if you follow a lot of the gong, right? So yeah. gong, their blog, right? They have, they, they have this blog. I love this. It's, it's why your, why your reps can't sell to the C-suite. And, and it's, and, and they give you this four step process of to go through to sell to the C-suite. Right. And one of them is coming up with your nexus about what do you fundamentally believe in this industry, about this industry or about what you do that, that is polarizing, right? That gets people to violently agree or violently disagree with you. Yeah. And it's a, it should be an 80-20%, right? Like 80% of people say, yep, I get where you're going and 20% say absolutely not. So for instance, in our space, my, one of my nexuses is um, I think, I think uh, methodology selling is dead. I think singular methodology selling is dead mm. because if you are not in a world of agile sales right mm. now and, and iterating and constantly updating your process, you're a dinosaur, right? So that's one of mine. One of Gong's is it doesn't matter right now, your product or service, there's no way you're going to differentiate yourself based on the features and functions of what you do. It's, it's about how you sell, not what you sell. Mm. Right. Because think about it. Like if you're going to compete on feature function, like even if you have the best, whatever the hell it is in whatever industry you're in and you have the coolest, sexiest widget, well, tomorrow somebody else is going to come up with a cooler, sexier widget and you're constantly going to be in this battle. Right. Um, so I think copier sales realized that a long time ago that, yeah, okay. But a copier is a copier. You know what I mean? It's a fucking yeah. big box with a green button on it that pushes paper out. You know what I mean? Like, okay, solution selling, you know, you can see your network and all this other bullshit, but, but really it's fucking copier. So it has, it has nothing to do with whether it's Konica or Xerox or whatever. It has everything to do with the sales rep and their ability to connect with a client, to walk them through a process, to, 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 you know, provide value throughout. And so I think they, the copier industry realized that um, early. Yeah. And I also think that we, um, I, you know, as a Gen Xer, you know, I'm 43, 
you know, we're in, it's an interesting uh, generation because, you know, the, the, the baby boomers up top, there's a lot of them, right? And then the millennials, there's a lot of those. But Gen Xers, it's a very, if you look at the demographics, Gen Xers are a very, very small point of the, point of the population. And so if you think of the baby boomers, like the tail end of that and then Gen, Xer, uh, Gen Xers, there was still a somewhat of a mentality when we were getting into school that you worked for a company. And you worked for that company first, then you got promoted in that company and you stayed at that company for a period of time, right? And so that's why I think a lot of companies were more apt to invest in their employees because they knew that if they invested in their employees, that the output of it would be a long-term benefit of that. Whereas now, unfortunately, you know, I I mean, I think the average kid coming out of school these days, the statistics are something like they're going to have 15 to 20 jobs in their career, right? So if you're an organization right now, I think you're caught between a rock and a hard place because you're like, we want to, you know, number one thing that millennials look for as far as working at an organization, it's not money anymore. It's, it's, do I feel like they're investing in me? Am I constantly learning? Um, Is there a purpose behind the company and those type of things, Mm -hmm. right? So they look for that. So companies need to invest in employees to, to attract and retain them. But then those employees flip every year and a half to another job for whatever yeah. reason. So I think that's why a lot of companies have, have not gone through that, that, that big like investing. Um, and also, I just think that millennials and, and Gen Zers these days, they just learn differently. Yeah. It's all about micro learning and those type yeah. of things. So sitting in a classroom for eight weeks, which is what I did at Xerox, like eight yeah. week sales training. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like nobody's <laughs> going to do that these days. So. Yeah. That's interesting, right? Because if you look at, you're right. And especially the SDRs, I was speaking to a client yesterday and, and he's, he, you know, he was, he was perplexed as to why he couldn't get um, his SDRs competent. And I asked him, so what are the demographic? And, and, and again, no disrespect, but he, he had some more mature salespeople um, in that role. And, and I'm like, well, that kind of goes against the grain of when you, where you, when you really think about SDRs, you think of upcoming, younger, um, hungry, looking for training, um, and they really want, you know, they're at that start of their journey. Um, and so it's a really interesting concept to think about to say, you know, the, the type of people that we get into certain roles, we know that, for example, SDRs, they're going to come to you majority with a lack of experience, with a lack of competence. And if we don't invest in them, if we don't upskill them, our ability to help them grow and grow our pipeline is actually limited. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yet so many companies have this view that, well, I don't need to spend money on training. Um, but I'm, you know, and that, that's where I see a lot of businesses going wrong. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And, it, and it's interesting too. Not only is it training, but keeping, keeping the job interesting and also um, letting go of this idea that SDR and I, and you're starting to see it evolve already anyways, but letting go of the idea that SDR is a springboard to the next step of your career. And, yeah. and you just got to get through it. I think everybody has this mentality or a lot of people have this mentality right now that, okay, I, I you know, I just got to do this role for a, a little mm. bit and be marginally successful so I can get to real selling. You know what I mean? Like that's because like the whole the, the image of sales is that yeah. enterprise sales rep who's making a half million or a million dollars a year, you know, going and golf. You know what I mean? But I think I actually think that's a dying breed. I, I think the senior 
enterprise rep who's got a book of business that they take out to golf and, you know, steak dinners and, you know, make their million dollars a year just by milking their existing accounts. Like, I, I actually think those positions are, um, are, are on the way of the dinosaur. I think the SDR role is going to become a much more strategic portion uh, of the organization and therefore needs to be invested in. Because too many people right now are, are treating SDRs as glorified uh, email spamming machines, mm. right? And, and like you got these reps pushing cadences on the sales lofts and the outreaches and the yes wares and the tout apps of the world. And they're putting no thought into yeah. it. And they're literally just, okay, $50 a day with some generic bullshit elevator pitch or just cranking out these mm. emails. And that's not an enjoyable job. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. people, people, People bitch all the time about SDRs and how, you know, they always want to get, you know, they, they give shit to millennials about, oh, they, you know, they always want to be promoted within six months, like, you know, earn it, earn it. And I'm like, well, wh- how would, how fast would you want to get out of that job if all I told you all day was all you had to do was push a button and send out cadences and yeah. make generic cold calls to try to catch somebody else? You want to be out of that in six months, too. Yeah, right, absolutely. but if you make it interesting for them, and you actually involve them in the process, and actually educate them along the way, they can become experts in that, and then decide where they want to go. You know, I actually really like this because I think to myself, if I look at my own career, because I started, um, I literally started in a contact center, what we called a call center mm-hmm. back in Australia. Like we had no dialer, yeah. man. It was literally touchpad, yeah, touchpad, yeah. a list. A pen and a ruler, right? <laughs> and if we needed new data, there was a box at the front and, there, and, and, and the spruker at the front would say, look, there's yeah. new data. I'm like, this data, man, we used this data four weeks ago. But if you yeah. think about the role of an SDR, the learning and the skill, like you, you really, um, you learn about customer personas. And mm-hmm. if you involve them in the cadence, you're learning about, okay, if I've got to make 13 different outreach attempts or 15, depending on what the data tells us, you know, what value can I give to them at every touch point? How are they going to read it? How are they going to engage with it? And then if you really look at like true professionals of selling um, from an SDR perspective, you go, like, what's the data? So you're going to learn about data and analytics. You know, what's my lead to call ratio, lead to appointment ratio? Um, how do I manage my middle of the funnel knowing the top? So if you actually think about, and, and the, the best learning I had, John, was, you know, I always saw, I, I had that same opinion myself. I saw, you know, phone selling is the step to the next. I don't want to be, I don't want people to say, oh, this guy's on the phone. But then one of my mates who eventually um, I reported to him, he completely changed my philosophy on this. You know, he was literally looking at data and making decisions based on data and going, well, if we do this, we get this result this is what the middle of the funnel should be. So this is where the area we need to focus on. And so for me, that completely elevated my career. And I looked at things differently because I'm like, great, I know the middle of the funnel. I know the consultative selling piece, how to ask questions and all that. But the top of the funnel was a real weakness of mine. And now that's a strength. Um, And I think you're right. The more we see, you know, the move, companies are now used to being managed internally. They don't need a guy coming out to see them every day. Um, some markets is different, but the inside sales model is becoming quite a popular model. Um, you know, both because our, we know our customers are time poor and the expense of sending somebody on a plane to go visit someone when they can do it by zoom, we've got all these technology stacks that can help us create this type of, you know, face-to-face experience. So, you know, I love what you're saying there, man, that it's not just a role, a step up role. It can be a career. 
Well, and also I think, I mean, you hit on what I talk about all the time, which is I, I fundamentally believe that sales should be looked at more, uh, more as a science than an art, right? I, and I think that's why historically sales hasn't been uh, uh, an education that you could get at a university, because I think the prevailing um, mindset has always been, well, you, you, you know, you're born with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, that's just a natural born sales guy and you got to have the ability to talk to people. And, and it's so much more science than it is that. I mean, I do believe there's probably, you know, 5% of our population that does just have it, you know, mm-hmm. just has the ability to connect with people, knows exactly what questions to ask, how to manage their time, right? But they are so few and far between. Um, the rest of us are, need to be need to be scientists in order to survive, especially to get so that we're not getting replaced by, by technology, mm-hmm. right? Because right now, let, let's talk about the SDR role specifically going back to that example that I used as far as reps just cranking out template yeah. emails. I think we're in a dangerous transition phase right now where we're teaching the machines how to do our jobs and yeah. eventually the machines are going to wake up and do our jobs. I mean, I'm seeing artificial intelligence write emails better than I ever could and way faster than I ever could. Yeah. And so there's a shift right now where that's why I start every one of my presentations with death of the average sales rep. Because I think they're average sales reps that are just going through the motions, right? That are literally just, that don't care about their job, that are just trying to get a commission check and that are cranking, they're hitting their 50 dials. Those are all going to get replaced. Mm. And, and maybe not replaced by the technology, but the, instead of being a, an entree into uh, a sales career, they're going to be a, a, with commissions and big upside, it's going to be a salaried role. And it's going to be exactly what you outlined there, which is they're, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be, un, they're going to roll under market and operations yeah. and they're going to be using these technologies and these tools to look at the data and, and send that. So they're going to be mini marketers, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to sales reps um, and, and which is good because it'll kind of give them an entree to it and then they can decide, mm-hmm. okay, do I want to go into actual selling or do I want to stay in this operations space? Yeah. But once you become a scientist in sales and you start figuring things out and being very purposeful on to your friend, your, your mates, you know, the different conversion ratios of the difference yeah. and tweaking little things and learning stuff it becomes first of all your results are far better yeah. and second of all it becomes it makes this job so much more interesting yeah because now i tell people all the time like and, and i you know somebody asked me recently john now that you're 43 you know if you could go back and tell your 22 year old self something what would it be and my number one answer to that was a b split test yeah a b split test yeah right? absolutely man. right and so, like, if you're calling into CIOs in healthcare, come up with two different messages to CIOs in healthcare. Make 20 phone calls with this approach, 20 phone calls with that approach. Because yeah. I tell kids, I go, look, say you make 50 dials in a day, right? And you get no meetings. That's a terrible day, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible day. But say you make 50 dials, and, it's, and instead of making just 50 dials with a generic elevator pitch, you make 25 dials with this approach and 25 mm-hmm. dials with that approach, and you still get no meetings. To me, that's actually not a bad day. Absolutely. Because guess what? You just figured out two approaches that don't work. Mm. You know, tomorrow you come in and try a couple of new ones. Eventually, you're going to start to figure out what does. You know, I love this, man, and I'm really enjoying this conversation because I say, I, I and I still do it, man. I, 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 and I'm not like the guys that you spoke about. I'm not a trainer that doesn't practice what I preach. I'm testing, mm-hmm. and I test some of the cadence. Like when I talk about cadence, you know, when I, Daryl, Daryl Prell, um, talked about the cadence report came out. I don't know a year and a half ago and he said you know this is how many touch points I'm like man that's insane so what I did I tested it I tested yeah. and I measured against a sample of data I'm like it's pretty accurate right um, yeah. but the thing that I say to SDRs is you know if you're not getting them on the phone test the timing we know like in Australia we have a, we have a um, you know legal time you can call um, right. start and finish I'm like test that if, you, if you're mm-hmm. ringing C-level execs 
um, you know, test the 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And long behold, they're getting a better contact rate. Why? Because I tried it at that particular time. I'm like, holy crap, they're answering at this time. And it was, it was, it was um, not luck. It was just happening. And so now whenever I need to get a CIO on the phone or, or you know, a C-level exec, I jump on seamless.ai. There's a good plug yep. for you, Brandon. And then yeah, I- uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Brandon? How you doing? <laughs> and then I'll, uh, you know, I've got the details or bang, and then you get them on the phone. Yeah. So I, I actually love what you're saying, man. But what I'm hearing you say is- I can make $50, not get an appointment, and I can see it as a bad day, or I can change my mindset and go, right, I've just used two different messages, and they haven't worked. So I want to take a back a step. In your opinion, how important is mindset in building a career in selling? Oh, shit. I, I think it's everything. I, I mean, we were chatting about this previously. I, I think, first of all, the number one thing I genuinely believe uh, that you need to be successful in sales is a belief in what you do. Yeah. You, 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 and, and look, you don't have to think that, you know, that your product's the greatest in the world or whatever it is, but you genuinely have to believe that for the right customers, what you do adds value. Mm. Right. Um, because somebody told me this early in my career that, um, that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. Yeah. Which I, I fundamentally believe. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, let's go back to like, you know, the, the example you're talking about earlier, as far as people, you know, not respecting sales and all, whatever it's, you know, the product is the best and, you know, sales, whatever that type of thing. And it, it, look, you take the, you take the most introverted engineer you've ever met in your life. Okay. And you say, Hey, you're in sales. And they'll be like, absolutely not. I am not in sales. There's no <laughs> way sales is gross. Right. Yeah. And they'll tell you that they'll be like, fuck sales. Everything about it's gross. And I'll say, okay, cool. Let me do me a favor. Uh, could you explain to me the last thing that you created? Uh, just walk me through the last thing that you built that you were proud of an engineer. Yeah. Watch that engineer light up like a Christmas tree. And they'll be like, you know what I was doing? You know, well, I created, I found this need and I was did this and da, 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 and da, 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 and this is what happened. And this is what it does. And, uh, and you'll literally, as they explain it, you'll feel them start to get emotionally like yeah. passionate on what they created. And after they're done, they'll be like, you can say, congratulations, you're in sales. That's it. Because I just bought Right. And by the way, when was the last, like you just, when did you get this job? Right. And they say, well, you know, three years ago. And I'll say, did you, did they hire you off your resume? And they'll say, excuse me. I go, did you submit your resume? And did they call you up and say, congratulations? Or did you actually have to interview for it? And they'll say, no, I had an interview for it. I say, congratulations, you're in sales. Yeah. Right. You just got to take the mentality of sales out of the equation. Like think of it. I mean, unfortunately the, the word sales has such a bad perception because of movies. And mm. we've all been screwed before by that shithead sales rep. That's just been in it for the commission check, you know, that type of thing. But the, the vast majority of sales professionals are quality trying to do the right thing. Right. But we have this perception. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and by the way, you know, again, if you don't believe in what you sell, you are the one that feeds into that perception. So for anybody out there listening to this podcast right now, if you're currently in a job where you literally do not give a shit about what you're selling, please do me and the entire profession of sales a favor and get out mm. and go find another some, something else to sell. Because once you, once you believe in what you sell, then it becomes the transfer of enthusiasm. And then to your point of mindset, 
then you have to come in with that. I, I'm actually doing you a favor by making a phone call to you, just sending an email to you, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that says, look, I'm, I'm, I, I know that what I do here and what I have to offer is, is great for the right type of person. And, and that's what I'm just trying to find out. I need 10 minutes of your time. So I ask you a few questions to see if you have a need here. And if I do, great, we can do some yeah. cool shit. If not, I'll take you off my list. I always believe in the good in, in humanity, right? So I don't believe that you know, salespeople go out there to want to do shit dodgy or they, they want to do something bag, right? They, you know, I believe it's a set of circumstances, it's environment. We know in selling, we know that, you know, a lot of sales roles are commission heavy. And so mm -hmm. we've got lives, we've got kids' school fees, we've got this, we've got that. And sometimes the environment drives us to, to react a certain way. But mm -hmm. I do, I, I completely believe that, you know, and I've cut corners, man. Like early in my sales sure. career, I go, oh, if I can get I the too. road, the road to a sale, if I can yep. cut this, oh, I, I skipped the discovery. But what I learned was by skipping key steps, I was actually doing myself a disservice because mm -hmm. I'd be like, well, I get to the decision point, and he's like, no, nah, it's too expensive. Oh, now we're going to go with another provider. And then when you break it down, you're like, well, they're not seeing value in what I got to offer because I haven't done the proper discovery, and I'm not able to say. Well, this is what you get, and this is yeah. what you pay, right? And so right. I quickly learned that shit. The, the actual, and you're right. The process is ever, is always evolving. Um, and I want to ask well, you. You've just written a book, and I cannot yeah. wait. You've posted me some, man. So I'm I'm pumped. Yeah. Um, and it's a kids' book. For anyone who doesn't know, John has written a kids' book. Um, and yeah. it it's called I Want to Be in Sales When I Grow Up. And so yeah. we're extremely excited about this particular book, man, and and would love to understand where well, you know what motivated you to write a a kid a sales a sales book for kids. Yeah, it's um, thanks and thank you for your support on this one, man. I really I really genuinely appreciate it. I mean, it's one of those things where you know I've been doing this now on my own. I've been I've been doing sales training now for about 10, 11 years, and I've been doing it on my own for about seven. And, uh, you know, everybody asks, like, when are you going to write a book? Yeah. When are you going to write a book? And, you know, and I don't, I actually, you know, as bad as it sounds, I don't actually don't read that much. <laughs> I, I like, I, I like blogs and that's, but I like snippets. Like yeah. I, for me, like to, for me to read a book, like three pages into a book, I fall asleep. Like I, <laughs> something's not right in my brain as far as that, the way of consuming yeah. information. So anyways, I, I've always felt like I'd be kind of a hypocrite if I wrote a book. And I also can't stand, especially in this industry, how people write books just to write books, yeah. right? So that they can be up on stage and, you know, get their billing or whatever. And also, what am I going to write that hasn't been written a million times before? So I went to Gary Vee's, um, so you know Gary Vee, yep. right? Um, I went to his 4D session a while back where you actually go, you spend $10,000, you go to his office in VaynerMedia in New York City. And throughout the day, and you sit there with 10 other business owners and, and, uh, and, and he brings in every department head and they share with you, like, you know, what they're doing with some of the biggest brands on social yeah. and all these different things. Right. And then he comes in and does a, a you know, Q and A at the end. But one of the most valuable exercises that I went through as part of that was they really got me to think about my why, right? You mm -hmm. hear all the time, like, what's your why, why yeah. do you do what you do, right? Not necessarily your mission, but your why what's behind it. And it got me thinking. And I, after, you know, some brainstorm and exercise with them, you know, I came up with sales done right. Because my fundamental belief is, is when sales is done right, it's the greatest profession in the mm -hmm. world. But when done wrong, it's the worst. And, and the problem, the reason, and you actually articulated this very well, as far as the, we all do dodgy stuff, because we're not educated, we are the least educated mm -hmm. in this profession, okay? 
And so when we get out and then we realize that our university degree is either dog shit or we can't make enough money doing it, we say, hey, I'm pretty good with people. I have a personality. Yeah. I heard you can make some money in sales. Let me try that. And we get in and we get limited education. We get limited training on it. And then we get given a quota and we get told, and we get a low base salary with high commission. And we get told, hey, if you don't hit your quota in the next two months, you're fired. Yeah, you're gone. Yep. So to your point, what happens is we take a lot of shortcuts. The, the, the nicest, you know, most ethical person out there, when put in that scenario, will take shortcuts, mm. right? If they're going to get fired and they can't pay their rent, they'll do some dodgy stuff. And so, so that is the 99% of how sales reps get into sales. And no kid ever says, I want to be in sales when I grow up because of the perception. Yep. And also my daughter, so my daughter's eight. And when she was like three, four, five years old, you know, when I was telling her what daddy did, um, you, you know, kids understand what a police officer looks like. Kids yeah. understand what a fireman, right? What a, what a astronaut. But when you tell your kid you're in sales, they're like, what? Like, what is that, daddy? Right? Uh, you know, do you talk to people all day long? And, you know, that type of thing. And again, how that's negatively portrayed on yeah. you. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to make a bigger difference. And so um, I, I decided to, my, my daughter two years ago got into selling Girl Scout cookies. And she had come to me once and she said, um, daddy, you have a pretty big social following. Um, could you could you put this out on social? Here's a link that people can buy cookies from me. And, you know, <laughs> could you do this? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm like, you got to earn that. Right. And she was like, well, how do I earn it? I go, well, everybody gets asked all the time from every friend's family and fools how like to buy Girl Scout cookies from their neighborhood girl or their cousin, yeah. whatever. Why should they buy from you compared to everybody else out there? And so I, we worked on this little video uh, of her pitching of why you should buy yeah. from, you know, Charlotte Barrows. And then the next year we went door to door sales and I did videos about objection handling and how to introduce yourself and those type of things. And what it did was it kind of graduated to this book. And, and another thing I've struggled with a lot with traveling as much as I do is, you know, out of all the things I figured out, I, I, I'm th I think I'm okay as far as how I've done, as far as building my business and stuff. The one thing that I really have a hard time with is, is leaving my daughter specifically, mm. right? Is, is leaving on a Monday, coming back on a Friday, you know, three out of the four days a, a, a month. And, and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? To an eight year old daughter. Right. And, and obviously my wife too, but I think my wife likes it that I travel. <laughs> um, but, so, but with that, I wanted to figure out how could I involve my daughter in what I do to make her understand, but also be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up writing this book, I Want to Be in Sales When I Grow Up. And the, and the goal here is to try to introduce, try to change the perception of sales by introducing yeah. it to kids at an early age. Also to get more women into sales because there's not enough in sales. And, and I think some women are some of the best sales professionals yeah. I've ever come across. And then the final piece of this is 100% of the profits go to charity um, because my daughter actually doesn't want to be in sales when she grows up. She actually <laughs> wants to be a veterinarian. Yeah. Uh, so all, all the profits go to the World Wildlife Fund, which is her favorite charity. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying to make a little bit of a bigger difference here and, and have some fun with it along the way. Oh, that's awesome, man. And I, like I said, I'm super excited. And I think you're right because you talk to, you know, preps or what we call, you know, when they're first starting um, school mm -hmm. in Australia, you know, what do you want to be? I want to be a footballer and an astronaut. You know, they've got these incredible aspirations because they haven't been preconditioned yet, right? They haven't been conditioned right. to say, you can't be an astronaut or you can't be this or, you know, the, the world is literally at their, you know, their beck and call. So, but it's funny, nobody ever says, I want to be in sales. And, no. you know, I ask everyone, how did you get started in the world of sales? And 99% of people say, well, I didn't intend on being in sales, but I was Nobody an engineer does. and I decided to do this, right? Yep. Again, I wasn't making enough money, yeah. so 
Like that's literally 90% of the responses. Well, I wasn't making enough money or I didn't like whatever I chose to go for university. So I said, why not? And it's the lowest barrier of entry. You don't need a degree to get into sales. You just need to be able to talk to people and take rejection. You know what I mean? So anybody can get into sales. And so why not? Absolutely. And it's funny, man, because like I, you know, I haven't got a qualification. I finished my, my high school um, certificate and you know through circumstances it just didn't, didn't finish it man I, I didn't go to uni and stuff and and um, you know my, my often I have to get my daughter because I have a 17 year old daughter and she helps me you know write some emails because I'm a great communicator but when it comes to actually written format I really you know sometimes it just doesn't come out the way I need it to be um, and so I tell my daughter um, you know that the great thing about let's let's look at the positives of education because there is a lot of negatives and the positives is is uh, if you're able to actually get that um, that IQ component, you know, get the actual um, educated part, and then apply that because she wants to be go into PR, I said you've actually got a really powerful combination, and this is where I see the opportunity for sales professionals is if we can embrace you know traditional learning formats and go well, okay, I might not be able to use this particular degree, or I might be going down a path of selling, so why do I need to do this? But these are the shortcuts that's going to ha- – I wish I had spent more time at school and applied myself more because I can tell you when I'm writing, you know, 18 different eight email cadences, it does my head yeah. in sometimes and I'm like, why isn't this sounding right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, oh, I totally agree. Yeah. So, man, I really appreciate that. And one of the things I want to ask you because, you know, for a lot of sales professionals, I think there's been a big shift, right, especially with the world of social and I mean, somebody like yourself, like Tony Hughes, you've got Mark Hunter, you've got over 300,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is bloody hard to achieve, especially on the LinkedIn platform. Yeah. Now, historically, um, you know, did we need LinkedIn to sell? No, but it's becoming a very important platform for selling in the enterprise space and even in the consumer space. Oh, yeah. And if, if you're a salesperson that's taken a while to embrace, and we know a lot of salespeople are still... They're still, you know, hiding behind the fact that I don't need to know the platform. I don't need to be posting. I don't need to be engaging. Um, you know, can you maybe give us a bit of advice on how to embrace technology to grow your career? Yeah, you know, that's and again, I'm going to go back to like the the Gen Xer piece here, which I appreciate, which I I think comes from a unique perspective, right? Because being that we were the last ones to grow up without technology, yeah. but grow up with technology and 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 see the importance of it. And I'll tell you right now, like, if you don't, if you're out there in sales, I actually, I think almost in any profession, but let's definitely double down on sales. If you're not working on your personal brands, um, you are, you are putting yourself up for a significant disadvantage moving forward here. Cause yeah. I think everything is moving to personal brand, you know, I, and all you got to do is look at like what's happening out there in the macro world of, you know, for instance, I use the example, like the rock, right? Yeah. Like Dwayne Johnson, the rock, like when he actually, you know what he does, and this is insane uh, for a movie, uh, for him, a movie that he's getting paid $20 million to do, right? Whatever he's doing next. He writes it into his contract. Do you know how much he gets paid for one Instagram post for him to go on Instagram and go, yo, check out my new show like Hobbs or whatever. Um, You know how much he gets paid for that? To promote his own movie? A million dollars. A million dollars per post. So because, because, and if you think about it, it sounds ridiculous, but you have a, he has 123 million followers on Instagram. 
which are the most hyper-focused, targeted audience you'll ever come across. So from a movie studio standpoint, that's the best million dollars they'll ever spend on advertising. Right. It's uh, Kim. Car- uh, uh, um, uh, what's his name? What's her name? Uh, not Kim Kardashian, but I forget which one ruined Snapchat. Oh, Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Kylie Jenner ruined Snapchat because two years ago or about a year and a half ago, Snapchat like updated their UI and nobody liked it. But whatever. That's kind of the appeal of Snapchat. And she actually put out one tweet that said, hey, does anybody not open Snapchat anymore? Or is it just me? Ugh, so sad. And it the day she sent that tweet out, Snapchat's uh, stock dropped by 6%, which was $1.6 billion off their market cap. So people don't trust co- corporate brands anymore, okay? My generation did. Like, we, we trusted corporate brands, right? Now, millennials, Gen Z, they absolutely do not trust corporate brands, they, but they trust personal brands. Mm. And so a little shift here and then I'll come back. I personally think that marketing is going to shift pretty drastically coming up here in the near future where I think companies are going to have to get very, very comfortable with, and I think you're going to see this title come up more and more, which is the chief evangelist officer. Yeah. So where there's going to, they're going to have to be comfortable with one person internally representing their brand, not necessarily the CEO, yeah. but if you think of like Gong, like let's use Gong as a perfect yeah. example, right? Um, Gong has Chris Orlob, right? Chris Orlob puts a lot of really good content out there and he's on, on social. Now, Gong, Chorus, you know, whatever, all those, like, all those tools are pretty good, you know, but tomato, tomato as far as what they do. <laughs> but everybody perceives Gong as one of the best because of how Chris Orlob is putting the content out there. Yeah. Um, if you think of Drift, right? You got yeah. DG, DG, right? Well, DG, Drift and Intercom and, you know, chatbots. Eh, okay, they're chatbots. <laughs> but everybody perceives Drift as this holy shit because of what DG is doing out there on social. Yeah. And so with that, the importance of personal brand just growing exponentially and you're following. Like, you, there's going to be a time in the very near future, and I already know companies that do this, that when you get hired or even before they hire you, they're going to use a, a tool to scrape your LinkedIn profile and see how many co- connections you have and what type of influence you have. Yeah. And they'll hire you based on that. And they'll divvy up your territories based on that. Mm. And so if you don't think it's important right now, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, and to make that switch to your question is, is like, how should we be thinking about it? This is where this switch went for me, right? Because as a Gen Xer, when social, when social selling first came out, I was like, great. Yet another thing I got to do to be successful <laughs> in sales. So, fantastic. Add it to the fucking list of shit I got to do, right? Yeah. And the whole idea of tweeting and posting and all that stuff was just bothersome to me, right? <laughs> But, but when it flipped for me was when I looked at it as educating myself first. Yeah. So I should be educating myself on my, bit, on, my, on my industry, on the personas I go after, on the trends that are happening, right, in my industry, right? So if you look at it with the lens of education first, and then when you learn something, when you read an article that you find interesting, that's when you share it out there and you give your opinion on it. Yeah. So you share like, and I, you know, I talk, I steal this from Gary V. You know, he tells he says everybody talks about content is king, content is king. He said, fine, if content is king, then context is God, and that got me thinking about marketing versus sales. Marketing is content, sales is context. If we as sales professionals are not putting any context around our content, we're no different than marketing, and I have no idea why we're getting paid to do what we do. So by reading and and learning first, Mm. right? So now you're doing business acumen, you're learning, you're staying up on, and you're using, you know, all that stuff can translate into better conversations with your executives and those type of things. But then when you find something and you find, holy shit, I learned something here, and then you share it out there on social, 
and you say, hey, really interesting article here. You know, if you're a VP of sales in the SaaS industry, like take a look at pages three, five, and seven, because there's yeah. some tactical things that you write, because you don't have to be the content creator, yeah. right? You have to, all you have to be these days is the content curator, mm-hmm. because it, let's put it this way. You and I, we produce a blog or we produce a, you know, a podcast like this. And I write a blog on a weekly basis. It's a pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Like to write a blog every week is a straight pain in the ass. I mean, it takes about an hour to think of something to write and then write it and then SEO it and then put it on a platform and then get it out there. It's like two to three hours into a legitimate blog post. Mm. You know what I mean? And so now check this out. Say you are connected to me. Say you're following me on Twitter, right? And say one of your mates is, is connected to you, but not connected to me. And you read, you read my article and then you like it, right? So you share it out there. Hey, really interesting article from Jay Barrows here, you know, about da, 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 here, you know, and your mate actually sees, reads my article because you shared it. Who do they think? Oh, they think the person that shared it. hundred percent. You know what I mean? So, so now all the effort that I put in the three hours of effort that I put into that blog yeah. post, you read it in five minutes and shared it out there and you get all the credit for it. Absolutely. So that's, so that's where we just need to be the filter and have a genuine voice. Like if you're just trying to build a following these days to build a following, good luck. You know, I, I go again, I go Gary V here. I'd rather have 10 people following me. And if I tweeted something out, all 10 of them did it than have 10,000 people following me. And when I tweeted something out, nobody did it. Yeah. I've been using bloody LinkedIn. I don't know, since 2006, 2007, before it became, you know, mainstream, because why we actually could find the person's name, to a company. Right. I didn't have to go to the gatekeeper. Can I speak to such and such who manages such and such? And not everybody was on right. there, but it was like this magical chest of leads, right? It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. but I was a late adopter and I didn't want to post stuff because I think I was worried about what people would think about me. And I know other sales, because I, I coach salespeople and they're like, but what have I got to say? And I, and I like what you, because I, I do the same. I'm like, mate, a lot of my content that I produce now is I base it off people's books because that's why I love Jeremy Donovan from Sales Loft. You know, he, yep. he produced some um, uh, insane stuff, man. So, and mate, I know that we've got to uh, we've got to wrap up, but I just want to ask you one question before we do wrap up: is um, the the biggest influence in your career and why? Shit, man! Uh, the biggest influence, the, the influencer or influence in my the career? Person that's had an impact on you personally. I mean, I, the easiest answer is my parents because they gave me that my dad's a mechanical engineer and my mom's an artist. So I got yeah. the science and the art from both of them. Um, but I will say probably um, I'd say, you know, one of my uh, mentors is Jeff Hoffman. So so yeah. Jeff Hoffman, you know, he, he's been my mentor for years because he's the guy who started Basho. And I don't I would not be doing this without him. Yeah. I know he didn't he didn't create Basho because of me or to help me in any way, shape or form. But I was without question the benefactor. And so not only did the training resonate with me and helped me excel and sell my company to Staples and such. But um, then when I got into this space and I actually resell some of his IP. Um, so if people want to check him out, it's M as Michael J Hoffman dot com. Um, he just, uh, he's been a, a wealth of information and he's one of those 5%. He's when I talked earlier about yeah. like the 5% of people that just are born sales professionals, like he's one of them. <laughs> and so between him and my uncle, my uncle out in California, 
Um, he lives, he's again, he's one of those five percenters and I've always just marveled at his abilities to, to connect with people. And I, I mean, you can literally, there's an aura around him yeah. when you see him engage and it's just, I, and I, and I aspire to be that. I know I'll never be that because I have to work my ass off. I don't have those gift, those God gifted abilities. Yeah. Um, so that's why I look, I, I take sales as more of a scientific approach. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say those two are probably ones that, from a career standpoint, um, had the biggest impact um, on my on my life and, and my results and, and where I am today. Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And where can um, our listeners find find you, man? Where's the best place for them to yeah. connect with you? Yeah, easiest is jbarrows.com. So J-B as in boy, A-R-R-O-W-S.com. Uh, you'll find all the social feeds there. You can find me on LinkedIn. The handle's J-M as in Michael Barrows, all one word. That's yep. Instagram, Twitter, sales, you know. And then, you know, if, if there's anything, um, the I want to be in sales when I grow up.com. That's the thing I'm actually pushing most right now. So if anybody wants to just, if anybody knows anybody in sales with a kid or wants to donate or, or just wants to donate to a good cause, um, you know, I'm really, again, trying to make a bigger difference on there. So I'd appreciate any support on that. Like I said, thank you so much for, you know, getting those books and, and sharing them with your audience. I really do appreciate it. No worries, brother. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on the Sales IQ podcast and appreciate what you do for our profession, man. So, uh, you know, right, thank you so much. Likewise, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. How awesome was that? John brought it and he brought it well. What I love about that episode is John talks about the fact that his selling is more than a transaction. He talks about the role as it should be. It's a profession. It's one where you're either getting better at your craft, you're mastering your craft to be the best thing you can be, or you're just like everybody else. You're not a professional. So my challenge to you this week is, what are you doing daily to show up to make it happen? What are you doing daily to build your skills? What are you doing daily to provide your customers with the best process that they can experience? But more importantly, what are you doing daily to be the best sales professional you can be?